On this week's show, we're discussing some of the box office results from the past weekend, as well as a look ahead to the Easter Sunday weekend. We're reacting to the new Barbie trailer, and we've got a ton of reviews coming your way, including the Super Mario Brothers movie. $5,000. That's the average amount of money people in the U.S. are now spending on gas in a year. Five grand. That's crazy. If you drive, you have to download Upside, the free app that gives you cash back every time you get gas. That's right. You can earn real cash back with Upside just by buying the gas you're already buying. You can literally start earning cash back today. I use Upside every time I fill up, and I've already made around two, three hundred dollars You're putting gas in your car anyway. Why not get real cash back? If you like free money, download Upside. I'm saving the cash I earn from using Upside to help pay for a vacation later this year. Download the free Upside app now to earn cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code GAME to get an extra 25 cents per gallon on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code GAME for a 25 cents per gallon bonus. Hello, Blenders, and welcome, welcome to episode 256 of Real Blend, a podcast that will be live reacting to the entire four hours of Martin Scorsese's new film from our very own private yacht in Cannes. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I'd you mention it up top. Yeah, Could yeah. You sorry, I haven't, no, I haven't okay. told you is guys this, yet. But. Is this, uh, you guys are going to. I don't know, maybe it's blasphemy for a movie podcast, that, but if we were going to Cannes and we could only watch one movie, I'd rather watch Indy. I don't know that that's blasphemous. It looks really good or it looks really interesting, I should say. But that's a tough that's a tough call. That's a tough call. Because what what are the chances that like the cut that's the the Scorsese uh, movie, Killers of the Flower Moon, like that's not going to be the final cut? Well, that's what makes it more interesting then. Oh, okay. because I don't I'd almost rather see the because, I mean, again, they must know Indy's great if they're if they're releasing it, if they're. I don't know. They put uh, Crystal Skull uh, premiered at Cannes as well. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. Did they have oh, wow. reactions out of Crystal Skull? I can't remember. I don't know. I don't. I mean, that was that was what two thousand eight. Um, wow. So I don't know. I, I don't. I don't seem to remember. But I, Do I you, also keep. Don't, I mean, don't forget. Like initial reviews for Crystal Skull were not horrible. Like it really wasn't until like more mainstream audiences started coming out and seeing it, and then we all yeah. said, "I mean, I got to be honest. I remember walking out going like." Okay, that's like a seven. I, I honestly, I, I know we're off on a tangent now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I still don't hate. I still don't hate Crystal Skull. I, I don't. <laughs> I do not think that there is a bad Indiana Jones movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't love Crystal Skull. Well, maybe we'll come back to that later this year. But on mm. this week's show, oh yeah, we're going to discuss the, uh, uh, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna uh, we're gonna discuss some box office results for last weekend and some predictions for the big Easter weekend coming up. We're going to react to the new Barbie trailer and we're reviewing Mario and Air and Paint. We have three movie reviews yes. this week. It's going to be a big one. Uh, but joining me this week is uh, Jake Hamilton from Fox 32 in Chicago. How you doing, buddy? Do you remember that time that when Sean wasn't here and I tried to introduce the show and like yeah. the world melted down? Like you would yeah. have thought that like I did kicked the puppy of every listener. Right. Like you would like it, it was astounding the negative yeah. reaction I got from introducing <laughs> I, the show. I thought you I'll never, did I'll, a great job. I appreciate I you. I'll never do it again. And that's Fox 5's Kevin McCarthy. How are you doing, buddy? 
It is good. Good afternoon to you, Gabriel. Jacob Edward Hamilton. Good to see you both. <laughs> you only know Jake's middle name because of the whole because the Twilight thing. That yeah, he was, yeah. that hey, when you're when you're 18 Twilight movies or Twilight junkets in, you start digging for question material. Kevin knows we were running yeah. out of material by the end of that junket. <laughs> and ever since uh, Jake last hosted, now I bear the brunt of that because uh, Sean, when you're listening to this, will be in London. That's uh, so covering cool. The new, the, this year's Star Wars celebration, which is awesome. Ooh, I need to text him to get me a shirt. And he didn't think to invite any of us, so that's kind of a bummer. Don't but. forget to get me a shirt. <laughs> Perfect. Always Perfect. large. It's a real text, actually. That's, yes, it is a real kidding. text. <laughs> he's not even kidding. Uh, we'll quickly go through housekeeping, and then we will start the show. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you for joining. Uh, please head down, hit subscribe. Check out Kevin's uh, hit haircut. Hit the like button, turn on your notifications. Uh, for our audio listeners, if you'd like to see the show. Listen to Kevin's new haircut. Listen to Kevin's listen new, to haircut. My new haircut. Yeah, you can hear it, guys. Listen, hold on. <laughs> you can find the show, uh, youtube.com slash podcast. <laughs> the show gets course, weird without Sean. <laughs> it does. And we are, of course, available wherever you get your podcasts. We also have a premium feed, which you can pay for and get the show ad-free. Uh, and you also get a newsletter from Sean, which is dropping this week. And you get an extra segment, a little bonus, a little premium episode uh, every Monday, which which Kevin and I will be recording tomorrow. Oh, that's uh, right. Should I, I actually, uh, Gabe, I can't can't make it tomorrow. It's just going to be you. <laughs> Kevin's coming to Napa with me. This is yeah, where I'll this will be, be my manifesto. That's my manifesto first. episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's the highest rated episode we've ever had. <laughs> it gets like 10 million views in the first hour. We, we always joke that whenever we come up with like a weird <laughs> episode idea that it's going to be the highest rated episode ever. And it's going to make us rethink the entire show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we don't have an interview this week. This is usually usually where we throw to an interview. But I will say we there's a movie coming out this week that, uh, you know, maybe down the line we'll we'll have a guest for. That's all I'll say. Hashtag if it happens. Hashtag yeah, that'd be huge. Be yep. huge. Um, but what we are going to discuss uh, are the box office results from last week. Dungeons and Dragons brought in uh, $37.2 million domestically. As of this recording, which is the we're recording on the 5th, uh, it's made $72.9 million worldwide. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on that, but I particularly want to hear Kevin's thoughts on this little this little factoid, this little tidbit, which is that Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves will post the best opening for a film that isn't a sequel since Nope debuted with 44.4 million in July last year. Interesting. My, Still my a only... franchise. It's not a yeah. complete original, but I was, about, I was about to say that it's, it's like because Nope, Nope's a fully original yeah. film. That's interesting. Um, those numbers sound low to me um, for a film. I mean, I will say, though, going into the weekend, I think it did overperform because I think tracking got lower um, as and I could be wrong, but I think it got lower as it, not, I don't know about lower, but I, I think that they tried to manage the tracking a little differently as it got closer to release. And then I think it actually exceeded what those tracking numbers ended up being closer to the release date. Yeah. Um, it Yeah, I mean, that's a great it's a really fun movie, too, which is really uh, I hope word of mouth sells it. I hope people actually go out and see it. Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez are great. Um, but that number does sound low. I mean, also considering how much money John Wick 4 made. And I know that's a fourth film in a franchise, but it's also R rated. It's also almost three hours long. Um, and that film, I think, just cost 250 worldwide million. I think it's opening weekend. I want to say it was over 130 worldwide. Um, yeah. A lot of money. Um, so. Again, not comparable, but I guess it is interesting to compare the two, considering one's R-rated and one is three hours long. And sure. um, so I don't know. The numbers seem 
fine to me. I mean, Paramount has had such success recently. I mean, the studio's doing fine. Yeah. Huge. I mean, Sonic last year with Lost City, Top Gun, Maverick. Uh, I think uh, the Sonic, Sonic film crushed. Scream franchise S- killing it. Scream, Smile. I think Scream just passed 150 million. I think Sm- Smile was theirs that made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, they're going to have a good summer with Mission and Transformers and we'll we'll see kind of where they end up. But Dungeons does sound a little on the lower side to me. And now I'm wondering if it'll even break 150, um, which sounds, you know, that doesn't sound great. I don't know what the budget was, but it seems pretty budget was 150. So, yeah. So I would imagine Jake, I don't know if that's going to make money back. We, we talk about this kind of around the, the idea of a franchise and sequels and such. I want to ask you, do you think it, that it's making enough to warrant a sequel? I know people seem to love the movie, which I, yeah, think, I think gives it a little bit of cachet. Yeah, but. it had well, it had amazing reviews and it had an A minus uh, cinema score exit polling on, on audiences, which is always a good sign. I think yeah. this number is the epitome of like, OK, let's wait and see. I, I was kind of hoping for at least 40. 40 mm-hmm. would have been a nice round sort of like, OK, there was interest there. Coming in a hair under 40 is just sort of like, uh, OK, I don't know. I don't know why a million well, a hair and a half made 30. such a difference. Oh, wait, I thought it was 38.5. Oh, I'm sorry. I was looking at international. You're right. Yeah. 30. Yeah. You're right. You're right. 38.5. I I think um, right now it's the ultimate wait and see. There's really yep. not that much competition uh, through. Th- I, but I think that's such a completely a completely different audience. Um, I don't think it's I, I, I do. Th- I, I I actually I get what you're saying because I have had so many people our age come up to me and go, "Dude, I'm going to see Mario opening night," and it is. And we'll talk about this yeah. later in the show. But it is such a love letter to people our age who grew sure. up watching it. So, so you're okay. You're right there. The, Mario is much more of a, of a competition than I think maybe I was giving it credit for that being said, I really hope that the word of mouth gets around on this movie. I, by Me no too. means do I think, um, that a sequel is greenlit yet. I, I'm a little surprised that, um, the studio didn't do, you know, a lot of times, I feel like they'll do that thing where they say, hey, you know, we're so impressed with the performance and how well it's doing that we're green lighting number two now, right. even though they have known, you know, no intention of, of doing it. They do that a lot for TV shows. I feel like after a pilot airs, they go, we're already going to green light season two and then nothing ends up happening. But they do that. I, I think oftentimes to engage interest. It's hard to say one way or the other just how good that number is. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels I think lukewarm. It feels lukewarm. If, if it, now, if, if we get to weekend two and the drop off is only 35 percent, then cool. Great. Awesome. And the worldwide numbers keep chugging along. Um, I, I really hope it's one of those movies that we kind of stop talking about and forget about. And then we look up the first weekend of May and go, oh, my God, like we it, it made that much money while we weren't talking about it. I hope that that's the case. I really do. Yeah, it's a, and it's really an awesome film. And I, yeah, I, if you I, haven't I, seen we, it, please. I do think they should have just called it Dungeons and Dragons. I think the titles. Yeah, long. Um, well, they're, they're I mean, setting themselves up for for sequels. Yeah, I guess, I remember, it, called, it reminded me Dungeons, of Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. I remember when Pirates of the Caribbean came out, it was just supposed to be pirates. And then I had that same thought, like Pirates of the Caribbean, like Dead Man's Chest. Now it make with what is it? Five of them. Now mm-hmm. it makes sense because you can kind of differentiate each one. And it's the very yeah. I assume for Pirates, very much like the Harry Potterification sure. of sure. of that, you know, as a franchise, which yeah, I guess which means sense. we're going to get uh, we're going to get a TV show made around it soon. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, which which I have absolutely no idea how they're going to do that without Daniel Radcliffe. I don't know. I know it's a prequel series, but anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. But oh, wait, I don't know enough about no, that. It's it's uh, my I understanding. Wrong? No, I, my understanding is that 
that it's going to be seven seasons and every season is going to be one of the books. Oh, Oh, so basically basically we're going to get like a very in-depth, which like for the for the latter books makes sense to me. But I don't understand how you're going to get like 10 episodes out of Sorcerer's Stone. They they pretty much I don't know for for, there are people who listen to this show. They know Harry Potter way more than I do, but I have read the books. And and from based on what I remember, they like the first couple of movies, they get a lot in. I, I guess I wouldn't I wouldn't start being really interested in uh, a more in-depth Potter story until we at least hit the third book, Prisoner of Azkaban. Could you imagine the actor who's going to have to play Harry Potter? This just seems so odd. I know it's like like like, like it's different, like, especially because everyone wants him to come back. To play older Harry, you know, I, I, right. which I think is going to, ha- I think that's going to be the but next generation. Yeah, but now you have a whole generation of people of who are going to see a new Harry. Uh, like sure. this is a different discussion. I, I, I feel like uh, Cursed Child is going to be the next generation's Force Awakens. <laughs> well, where like they're like, oh my god, they like in twenty years, well, like once they're old enough to like, which you know, congratulations to Dana Radcliffe just announced that you know the, the they're expecting their first child, yeah. but like he needs to be old enough where like the kids are what like. 10 years right. old or something like that. I haven't, I haven't seen the play again. And I, also uh, congratulations uh, to Daniel Radcliffe. He's aging. Well, he looks very young still. Yeah. So it's like, it's going to be a long time until incredible choices. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. I do love yeah, him, yeah. which I, 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 I think I've talked about it on the show, so I don't want to dive too much into it, but like the plot for, I had a buddy of mine, he and his girlfriend were just in New York and went and saw part one and two back to back. And for the first time, he told me what the plot of Cursed Child is. And it's fantastic. Like, it was the first time where I ever went, oh, I would watch that in a movie in a heartbeat. Like, that sounds awesome. But again, we're not talking about just um, the three leads coming back. Like, you would need, uh, which this is going to sound strange, you would need de-aging on Pattinson. You would need uh, Ray Fiennes to come back as Voldemort. You would have to recast uh, Alan Rickman as Snape. You would um, have to do somehow bring back um, the incredible actress who plays McGonagall. There's a there's a there's a lot of factors that go into not just not just getting those three leads back. A lot of things have to happen because you're basically remaking the fourth film. Now, we if will, Alfonso Cuaron wants to direct this series, we will, I, we I will, will gladly watch that. Because yeah, Azkaban's my favorite. I'm going yeah. to pick up the train set, put it back on the rails. <laughs> and uh, we're going to round off some box office chat, which I do want to talk a little bit about this coming weekend, because it's going to be a huge weekend, apparently. Yeah. Uh, it's Easter weekend. Uh, the Super Mario Brothers is projected to be the biggest Easter weekend yet. Um, this is according to Box Office Pro. Are they making I'm, a mistake by opening it? Opening it? We're recording on Wednesday, but mm-hmm. I mean, because they I feel like they that, that cuts into the headlines of the weekend. By but I think it's let me give, so the, let me give the projection real quick. And okay. We can discuss the, the three day weekend forecast is one hundred and twelve million. And then I'm seeing the projected domestic. Oh, total wait, really? Through Sunday, they're saying upwards of uh, they're saying one sixty four. The range that they're giving for their, for their five day. According that to is Box not Office what Pro, I was expecting is one fifty to one eighty five. Wow. Uh, I was sh- not I was thinking like 50. Now now what do you think about Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> so they have Dungeons and Dragons projected to take second place with 13.6. John Wick right uh, behind with 13.4 wait, for the 3. What's day. the what's that for drop for Dungeons? I'm seeing like, 63. Wow. This is projected as of let me see when they put this up. I think this was on the 2nd. Or I'm sorry, no, this is today. This is today. The 5th. Wow. Yeah, so, those numbers are insane. I mean, I will say that's a lot higher than I thought it would be, but I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Mario is a huge brand. It's people are obsessed with it. It's 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 also 
not only this is why Sonic works so well, the people who grew up playing Mario mm -hmm. are now taking their kids who are growing up to see it. And they, and both the parents and the kids are experiencing it on two different levels. One, the parents are nostalgic. The kids are just because it's a cool animated film and maybe they play Switch and they, these characters. And I, I you know, Mario I've is ubiquitous. It, yeah, I, mean, I said this for a long time and I, I mean, people always give me you know crap for saying this, but like I think the N64 system is the best system that was ever created sure. for a video game console. And you can argue the graphics and everything for the PS4, PS5, all the Xboxes, whatever, if you want. But there's nothing. And this this is I don't think this is nostalgic talk, nostalgia talking. I think this is purely gameplay. Um, there is something about that system and those characters and, you know, the Mario Karts and the Golden Golden Eye and even Switch kind of oh, brings that, that, that back. Um, I know it sounds like it'd be nostalgic because I grew up on it, but there's just something about the playability of those games. And a lot of things these days are almost so hyper realistic that it's almost, you know, feels it's more cinematic and it, which is totally fine. They're performance capturing actors now that are playing like Last of Us is performance capture. It's very cool stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think Mario just has this lasting effect and that's why you're seeing numbers like that. It's it's well, you well know, Nintendo. I mean, Nintendo is the Disney of video games like their right. Their brand is nostalgia and their brand is mascots like that's but it's not even nostalgia. It, but, but no, I'm saying playability. Well, I, no, I'm saying it is because you like in yeah. 64, the kid who's eight years old right now likes whatever Switch. Mario they put out last year. Like yeah. all yeah. in the same way, in the same way that Disney's like, yeah. we're making I live like the original Nintendo. Right. Yeah, I mean, dude, Duck Hunt still oh, plays, man. <laughs> the, like, the, like, the dual cartridge, the dual game cartridge where, like, you chose which one you were playing? Yeah, do you remember, remember, Super, do you remember Super Scope? I had oh. this Super Scope for my for my Super Nintendo. It was like this big, like, like almost like uh, grenade launcher looking type thing. It was so cool. I still have my Super Nintendo over here and all my games <laughs> when I was a kid. Like, I'm telling you, like, I, if somebody were to hand me two consoles a ps5 and an n64 i would take the n64 in two seconds it just, but you it, don't play it, it, you don't play video games though it, yeah but yeah. but I, again Dude, could I you imagine this? a friday night like tell me this doesn't sound great it's a friday night we don't have a junket we have nothing to do i live down the road from you you have your n64 i say dude let's order a pizza oh. let's play golden eye no no odd job no job no odd job, no no job yeah. with knives yeah. they re-release no. they just re-released golden eye you can yeah. play it, you can play yeah. it on the newer yeah. consoles yeah no odd job dude there was something such a very it, specific thing for people that grew up with golden eye the I fact know. that we both said no odd job at the same again time. again i'm gonna dude. i'm gonna grab the train set i'm gonna <laughs> grab the train is, set we're, we're gonna go on back the rails up. right now we're talking about mario and why it's gonna do we're talking about super nintendo i do want to we're talking about the brand we're talking about the brand and why why those numbers are so high i was not expecting that but it makes like, that's like Marvel. Well, that's what Marvel used to be. Numbers. I mentioned this to you before. I think a part of, it seems like a perfect storm of um, the industry being where money. it's at, where there's still it yeah. feels like we're still getting waves of people either yeah. coming back for the first time or really just getting back in the habit yeah. of seeing movies in theaters. Um, but also, I mentioned this to you guys before we recorded. It's apparently the first animated feature um, in theaters Which is since, insane. since December with Puss in Boots, which... I mean, leads you to believe that families are kind of on the edge of their seat. Like, let's let's get out of the house. Let's get these kids into a theater, which, you know, only makes that number uh, grow, I think. So it's also interesting looking at Ron, again, I don't think Rotten Tomatoes is the end all be all of, of decision making. But the 55 percent critical score and the 95 percent audience score is very telling. Um, I think yeah. that's going to have a good cinema score, probably a a minus because 
I, I just feel like these it, it what's why Super Mario Brothers is so those numbers are so high is because everybody can go see it like mm-hmm. like anybody from the age of five till 50 or whatever you uh, just to give that perspective a 50 year old definitely grew up playing these games and like there's there's there could be double generation there could be the 50 year olds kids who have kids at this point you know what i'm saying like the 50 year old right. could have a 30 year old who has a who has a mm-hmm. five six year old and you're talking three gen- that's why i thought force awakens was so interesting because it, it captured multiple generations of people that were fans that now can take their kids and it's like it's why sonic did so well and and i think these i don't know i'm that's awesome i mean we've been saying this for a long time but movies being back is like it's just it just makes me feel good um and i know that particularly looks like it's going to be a great year yeah last year was great last year was great but last year was like the first you know yeah it it took about halfway through before it really felt like it this year feels like people are going yeah it's really cool and then we got some big ones like barbie is gonna crush oppenheimer mission impossible (laughs) that almost sounded like you said that perfect i know there's a comma in there but just that sentence i'm just gonna just lift that sentence out of the show i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie yes so real quick yesterday uh, so jake and i have a bet going on that oppenheimer uh, or barbie will open up at number one they're opening up the same weekend yeah. and i know we're going to dive into the barbie trailer in a second this but, is a perfect transition i'll do it after all that, right yeah. well all right and so yesterday when the barbie trailer dropped like jake and i were arguing like j- jokingly arguing over text but then when i opened up my social media and i saw s- how many people took that <laughs> poster and put their face on it i said I don't know anymore. That bomb explosion in Kevin's yeah. head just got a little smaller. There's not a because lot of social media interaction. For, I know. For uh, the guy who invented the, <laughs> I, told, I, I told again, again, like our newsroom isn't necessarily a litmus test for, for how well things do. But I, I did bring up, uh, cause everyone in the newsroom this morning was talking about, um, the, Barbie. The, the, the Barbie trailer and someone, a couple of people in our newsroom listened to our podcast, but someone brought up, Hello? uh, the bet, and, and I said, well, I said, it's funny. I was like, yeah, Kevin and I have a bet which one opens bigger, um, Barbie or Oppenheimer. And I'm, I'm not joking. I'm not saying this because it, it, it breaks my way. Like three people at one time said, what's Oppenheimer? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, Jake, Jake has been on this uh this train for a bit or train back on the way on the rails. Um, I think Barbie ever had train. a train. I think she had a no, no. or something. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm but kidding. in terms, but it's interesting. Like yesterday was the first time I realized, and again, I, I'm still sticking with my Oppenheimer bet because he has the IMAX screens and Nolan. I don't bet against Nolan. I think but, it'll be, I wouldn't but, be surprised if it's very close. Yeah. But, but, but to Jake's point, but I also wouldn't be surprised I, if Barbie crushes. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like yesterday I was looking at those posters and I'm like, this is like Warner brothers is, brilliant like like the way it they feels like it's hitting it, a cultural wave which is you know a special thing it for a movie. feels different yeah, yeah and i think listen oppenheimer we'll see i mean oh, maybe almost the, mario like we're like it's gonna be a thing where like young kids are gonna want to see it but then mm. also but like my god the last scene of that trailer oh which so is basically wonderful. like about like guys having a beach off so <laughs> I lost it, but it's just like, that's like a trailer reaction now. I didn't. Yeah, sorry, sorry. It's fine. But like that was one of those just like, oh, my God, that's what kind of movie this is going to be. Where it's just sort of like like young, young kids are going to go see this movie. And then in 20 years, they're going to randomly randomly rewatch and go, oh, my God, I cannot believe that joke was in the movie. Right. I did not get it. 
Well, also, um, one of the things that's interesting about Barbie, and so again, uh, one of the things that's fascinating if you're if you're just tuning in for the, for the first time that, that Oppenheimer and Barbie are opening up the same day, and so now you know everyone like there were so many memes yesterday about like lines of people at the box office where like one person was waiting for Oppenheimer, one was waiting for, or, and the whole line was I'm, waiting for Barbie. I'm actually I'm actually really curious about how many people want to see both because I feel like it's a the double people feature. That, the people that want to see Oppenheimer. Are the people that would want to see the Greta Gerwig movie? Mm-hmm. You know yeah, what I, mean? I well, this is this is a point I made on the show a couple of weeks ago. I think Barbie and Oppenheimer are not that far off from each other. I mean, had, the point we, I'm we making, discuss that. yeah, discuss and that, the, yeah. and the and the argument I made there was that I think Greta Gerwig, while Barbie is what Barbie is, the brand right. and like it, it's incredibly colorful and like it, and it has a comedic sense to it. We know that she's going to dive into well, we Greta Gerwig's going to dive into some We saw a little bit of that finally themes. in this trailer. Yeah. In this trailer, like, there's this little subtle, it works as, like, a joke, but it also works as, like, yeah. you know, this commentary that we're trying to figure the out. Heels. Yeah. The heels. Yeah. The heels. When yeah. she steps out of the heels, yeah. but her feet are stuck in heels. Yeah. And the idea mm-hmm. of, sort of, uh, you know, body image and, and, and the legacy of Barbie in that regard of Barbie being yeah. posed in heels yeah. You know, yeah. eternally. And I think Ken asking to, to spend the night at Barbie's house, but not understand I actually, why I actually he's don't at. Because yeah. yeah, that, <laughs> that, that sort of feels like uh, a young child, a young boy or a girl, like playing with dolls and like being boyfriend and girlfriend, but like mm. not understanding. Not like, what does this mean? Yeah, like, it's, there's, such, there's such a sweet innocence of like, oh, boyfriend and girlfriend, and we're going to do it, but right. like not knowing anything else. Like, I, I, was, I, I loved that line. Hot take, though. I will say this. I, I, I love that trailer. I still like the 2001 one better. I, just I, mean, that, I mean, that that 2001 one was tailor made for you, yeah. which is interesting, though, if you think about it, because that only, goes back to the, the point only way that that trailer could have been better is at the end. It says this trailer was edited by Christopher Nolan. I do. I, I actually uh, I was thinking about this yesterday because I, I sometimes I'll daydream and I think about because because Greta Gerwig has already proven herself as a, as a phenomenal filmmaker, Lady Absolutely. Bird and and, mm-hmm. and Little Women. And um, and I just think that her film language is very similar to the language that we all love as film mm-hmm. fans. Like she, she speaks the same language as Christopher Nolan, Quentin Tarantino, yeah. uh, Sofia Coppola. And obviously, you know, she's with Noah Baumbach, who's also another who's incredible right, filmmaker and storyteller. Yeah, exactly. Is Baumbach on this? Yeah. Yeah. They both wrote. Oh, it. I didn't know. That's cool. Um, but so one of the things I found interesting about, this trailer, like you said, like it dives into the more thematics of the, of the serious themes they're going to dive into. But I think Rodrigo Prieto, um, if I have his name right, shot this film, who, who's I think he shot Argo. And um, I want to say he's one of Ridley Scott's guys. I'll double I'll double check it. Um, uh, but the, look yeah, look that up for me, if you don't mind. The, um, the cinematography thank, thank you, Gabe. The cinematography is incredible. Like yes. it's so I colorful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, shoot this, I yeah. saw. I saw a lot of people comparing it to Truman Show, which I is kind of an interesting comparison. This Truman idea Show, of being I got, I got SpongeBob movie vibes as well, like <laughs> going to the real world, you know. Like, yeah, well, that's one thing I like about this trailer is I didn't. I, I, I really I know what I it is. I love trailers, and I didn't obsess over like rewatching the trailer certainly, but I still feel like I don't know what's going to happen in this movie. I don't really know Neither what it's I. about. I know that it's funny. I know that it it looks like the performances are awesome we're getting the kind of humor from ryan gosling that i want to get mm-hmm. getting the kind of humor from um this is like Margo nice guys Robbie ryan gosling he looks like, so, like, it's just it looks like it's gonna be great even though i don't know exactly what's gonna happen in it which i think is a perfect way to sell your movie so i do yeah. have a question both oppenheimer and 
Barbie are stacked casts. Oh like my God, we're talking. Like, I mean, even in the Barbie trailer, when they start, they start listing all the names. Do you remember right. that that's part where it's just like dozens of names? Do you sometimes I get worried when the casts are that stacked that I'm going to have a hard time staying in it because I'll be saying, oh, there's Michael Sarah, There's Matt Damon from Oppenheimer. That's kind of how I felt uh, about Amsterdam. Yeah. And so I think one thing I would be interested in asking Greta Gerwig if we get her would be about that balance, because how do you because at the end of the day, when you introduce someone super famous, if they're not on screen long enough, Mm -hmm. you won't have the ability to disconnect. Right. And I think there's going to be a lot of cameos. And I and I wonder how much that's going to and I guess maybe the tone of the film will have to speak to that, because if if it's a if it's in a joking way, when someone cameos like with Oppenheimer, for example, um, like I read the book, so I, I'm I'm very interested in kind of who's gonna, like like Damon taking on Groves and and uh, Florence Pugh taking on Gene Tatlock, and there's just there's so many interesting aspects to it. But I still worry though. I'm like like there's so many people in these films. Am I gonna? But then when you go back and look at something like Pulp Fiction, for example, that's just a stacked cast. But it worked differently because like Travolta had the kind of been away for a while. Sam Jackson yes. wasn't like super famous yet. I mean, there's I'm, I know I'm mentioning a random film. I'm just thinking about movies that have like incredibly huge casts that have characters that show up like Christopher Walken. When he shows up in Pulp Fiction, he's on screen long enough where you go, oh, that's Walken. But then you then you buy into the character yeah. telling the right. watch story. It's, interesting. it's a different tone. Like like when Walken is in that scene, he gets to it's a scene like that. Scene sure. Is a, it feels yeah. like a dramatic set. You know, yeah. Versus in a comedy, and you know, with the way this is kind of it's a little yeah. wink, wink at the camera. I don't disagree at all. I think yeah, it has the you know, it, is Kate McKinnon? Can it pull you out? Yeah. Well, in Oppenheimer, did they did they say Oppenheimer is going to be three hours? Is that official? Damon said. So it's I think that nearly three hours. I think that that's another um, concern that I have. You know, now well, see, I, I was I was going to say, well, in terms of of the this, the cast. It's a lot more, and obviously you've read the book, it's a lot more stretched out time to bring yeah. in these people and let them go. Um, and it's a, I'd imagine that the film's going to cover a, span, a chunk of time as opposed to Barbie, I think it can feel, which is fine if it feels like a bunch of cameos, but like it, it does feel like there's much more of a risk of what you're talking about with Barbie than I think there is with Oppenheimer. Yeah, and just to confirm uh, what Jake's referring to is Damon was on a carpet for air recently and someone brought up Oppenheimer and he said it's nearly three hours. He'd seen it. Um, I'm yeah, I, I and listen that at the end of the day, everyone wins that weekend. We got yeah. two incredible filmmakers. Oh, this is what I was saying before I got sidetracked in my mind. Um, I was daydreaming yesterday about like Nolan and Greta Gerwig meeting up and showing each other their films, because I feel like that'd be like, like if, if obviously if Matt Damon's already seen Oppenheimer, Nolan clearly has a, an assembly cut or probably close to a finished finished cut it comes out in you know three months i would imagine greta's film is probably done if not you know very close to it i just imagine like nolan and greta getting together and like at, at like universal city walk in la and like and just showing each other their films because i feel like greta i, don't know, I would love to be a fly on the wall to see those two together because i'm curious if no, no one's gonna get asked you know he's gonna get asked about barbie for sure on the press tour I for oppenheimer i'm dying to see the interview at the junket where someone asks Nolan yeah. about Barbie. Well, Nolan's actually so again this and then this is uh, a complete sidebar. But Josh Horowitz uh, had Nolan on his show once, and Nolan's like, like he loves movies that you think he, yeah. right, he, but he, but he loves but he loves MacGruber. Yeah. <laughs> like Nolan loves like because he's a man of furious. taste in class. No, no, yeah. I agree. The but the point I'm making is that like 
Nolan is such a serious filmmaker yeah. that I just can't imagine him watching MacGruber. And I love MacGruber. It's one of my favorite comedies. Uh, I love that movie. But I just can't imagine Christopher Nolan sitting down and watching Fast and Furious because I, I just want to know what. Yeah. But he, it's, but he it's loves almost it. equivalent he loves of like, you know, like like Gordon Ramsay going to Taco love, Bell. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but but it is interesting to me to think about that, because obviously I, I would imagine Greta is probably a fan of Nolan and 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 I'm sure he is of her. Yeah. Do you think Nolan's worried? Do you think after yesterday's trailer, like, like uh, uh, here's the thing. So Chris Nolan. Oh, no, I know. I'm so what Chris, but Chris Nolan is is married to an incredible producer, Emma Thomas, who's been making is producing his films for forever. She's amazing. Um, and I've had the chance to talk to her a bunch of times. She's super nice. But I imagine yesterday when that trailer dropped, I just want to know what was going on in that household. I wonder if Chris and Chris Nolan and Emma Thomas, Thomas were like, what do we think? Do you, you know, we have our movie coming out that day, but you know, because yesterday the social media trending for that Barbie thing was so massive and it was just everywhere all over my feeds. And I was just thinking to myself, are they worried? Because mm -hmm. Oppenheimer is, and I like, like I always bring up Dunkirk. Dunkirk came out in the middle of the summer, made $600 million or whatever it was worldwide. And that was telling to the Nolan brand. But Oppenheimer, a three-hour film, I've argued that it's gonna, it'll beat Barbie, but now I'm a little concerned about my bet choice with Jake because, damn, I just didn't realize how, I don't think I realized how big that was until yesterday. Yesterday was kind of like an eye-opener for me. Did, did, did it surprise you guys how big it was yesterday? No, I thought it was going to like I thought I was going to inject itself into the into the zeitgeist. Can, can I, I still yeah. I, I would like to the only adjustment that I would like to make to our bet because I no. did insist that we keep it one hundred dollars. But I will say, can can we say that um, that that whoever wins the money goes to charity of our choice? Deal. I love that. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Hundred dollars. I'm staying. I'm staying with my bet because that's just where I'm going to stay on my ground because I still believe yep. that it could beat it because it has the IMAX ticket prices. But yeah, yesterday got me a little concerned. I was Paul, a little Chicago. You're about to get a hundred dollars. You are probably. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. right, I mean, right. listen, and I will say this before we move on. I want I want Oppenheimer to do really well, and I want Barbie to do really well. Yeah, everybody wants. Yeah, but I, yeah. but I, but I, but I, I'm, I just still feel the Nolan. I still feel the Nolan power, man. I still feel it. I feel we it. will. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna take a break, and on the other side, uh, we have some reviews lined up, including uh, Paint, Air, and the Super Mario Brothers movie. So stay tuned. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. 
And we are back uh, with some reviews this week in movies. And to kick us off, we have Jake discussing paint. Jake, what the heck is paint? Is it Bob Ross? Is it not Bob Ross? And is it good? It's I I genuinely love this movie. I laughed out loud throughout. This isn't about the Microsoft uh, app, right? It's not, though, okay. th- though that's probably after Tetris, that's probably in the making. Um, <laughs> Super dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what filler to use, yeah, what, what yeah. color to use for your ink. So basically, look, it, like, you know, you don't have to be a genius to realize that Owen Wilson is basically playing a kind of Bob Ross like character. He right. plays a guy named Carl Nargle. Um, it's set. It's a great today. name. Yeah. Carl Jay, Nargle, Jay, just the is name. it kind of yeah. like Dewey Cox kind of thing? Not really, because it's it's very much set in the in the real world, but like just off enough because there there are a lot of aspects about it that make you feel like it's set in the 80s, mm-hmm. but it's very much set today. So basically it presents this idea that um, I want to say it's Vermont and the Northeast and this sort of this small television market. Uh, this local PBS station has this painting show hosted by Carl Nargle. That is a phenomenon. <laughs> like it is like he is a local rock star and the opening he's, he's wrapping up a painting and it cuts to like, di- like different like bars and, retirement homes where people are gathered around the TV watching it and all like not people are painting along with him with him and he's just this local legend but the thing is is that like he kind of paints the same thing over and over (laughs) again and so there's this illusion that he's just like this genius but all of a sudden local PBS says look we need to like splash up the ratings we need to get a little controversial so they bring in a second painter to have a second painting show come on after Carl who paints a lot more evocative stuff than streams and forests and mountains. She she paints UFOs with blood coming out of them. And then she just becomes the local rock star. And he just can't handle it. He can't comprehend. So he just unravels. And in this unraveling, you realize that this picture perfect local celebrity that that is Carl Nargle maybe wasn't the picture perfect celebrity that we all thought he was. Maybe there was a lot more to it. So it ends up being actually a much I don't want to go as far as saying a dark comedy, but a much darker comedy than I was expecting it to be. And it presents this really idea, like interesting idea, because I feel like so many of us have this. Uh, image of Bob Ross almost in the vein of like a Mr. Rogers where he's just this sweet kind soft-spoken gentleman and it presents this idea of like what would it take to break that person how Mm. how much can that person uh take before they crack and the real them sort of comes out it's very funny it's almost I would put it in the category of like an anchorman kind of thing where like you have this local celebrity who can't handle someone else encroaching upon his celebrity I really enjoyed it it is genuinely one of my favorite Owen Wilson performances ever Um, I absolutely loved him in this part found myself laughing out loud several times and just really 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 enjoyed it I love that. Sounds I love good. that. I'm excited yeah. to see it. It looks, it's one of those things where you're just based on the trailer, getting a performance like that from Owen Wilson is, is yeah. enough to, to sign me up. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting performance in that like it's far enough removed where like, it's a really great performance and you forget that it's Owen Wilson, but there's just enough of him in it that like it uses what's great about him as an actor while still being completely different from who he is. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that yeah. does. That's great. Uh, moving on. We have, we have a new Ben Affleck movie folks. New, directed by Ben Affleck, uh, starring Matt Damon. Has Matt Damon in it? 
Kevin, you've seen Air, correct? Yeah. What are your uh, thoughts on Air? I thought it was fantastic. Um, I love it. Shout out to Bob Richardson, who shot this movie. Apparently, he used recut lenses from Ben-Hur to shoot this movie. As um, one does. And because he did something similar on Hateful Eight with Quentin Tarantino. Um, but what's interesting about Air to me is, and Affleck said this uh, in our interview, is basically the idea that he's trying to make a movie that doesn't feel like he's trying to make an 80s movie. It just feels mm-hmm. natural to the setting of it and the way it's shot, the walk and talks, the conversations, the intensity of Matt Damon and walking through the offices or Jason Bateman walking through the offices. Um, it's so intense and just fascinating. Um, also, Affleck made an interesting comparison. And again, he he was he was wanted to clarify that this was not a comedic uh, intention, but they don't show Michael Jordan in the film uh, outside of stock footage. It's it's from behind or from the side. You never see the actor's face who plays him. And he compared it to like that opening of Austin Powers where they're covering That's him. Such a great comparison. Yeah. And if you don't remember, like like that was like a scene in Austin Powers where like it was was it Elizabeth Hurley in that scene? I'm trying to remember who that was in that scene. But someone's well, covering- see, my mind goes to Austin Powers two in the opening right. montage where it's after Elizabeth Hurley blows up and then he goes, I'm yes. single again. And then he's dancing through wherever they were on their honeymoon. The one I'm thinking about is the one with like the fruits and the and the food and they're in the hotel yeah, well, I think room. That's, yeah, yeah. I think I think we're thinking the same thing. I think that's when okay. they're on their honeymoon, the, the opening of two, and then she explodes, yeah. and the whole sequence is him dancing naked through. Right, and so Affleck basically uh, used that as a comparison to how they were able to block it and shoot it, and the idea of not showing his face, how the actors had to maneuver or block themselves in a sequence with him. And I think it's a really smart idea because it added to this mythical aspect mm-hmm. of who Michael Jordan is, yeah. and, and even Matt Damon says that you know, you know, essentially when you cast somebody like Michael Jordan, it could take you out of the film. Um, yeah. And this story is so insanely. Awesome. It's just a really crazy story. I didn't know about it. It took place in what, 84, Jake? I think Converse and Adidas were like the the heads of, you know, shoes for the NBA. And, you know, Nike really, really wanted Michael Jordan. They needed somebody. They, They needed something to put their name out there. And they built a shoe around Michael Jordan. They are Jordan. And, it, and it's interesting because like when you're watching the film, like these, these are these are moments that you remember, you know, these names. But mm-hmm. I didn't know the exact details that led to it, the conversations. And Viola Davis um, is is amazing. And I, I read this the other day and I want I want to make sure I get this name right. Do you know, Viola Davis's husband in the film was her real mm-hmm. husband in real life. Yeah. Yep. Is it Julius? Mm-hmm. What's his last name? I want to make sure I get that right. But Viola Davis's actual husband is playing her husband in the film, Michael Jordan's father. Um, and I think Julius, I know he, Julius Tennant. He's an actor. Um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to give him a but shout he's out now. because he's phenomenal. The, parent, the parents are great. The parents His delivery are sh- of the line. Oh, here we go. Is right. So great. Yeah. I want to shout them out because like to me that there uh, to me, the the jo- Jordan's parents are really like the the, yeah. the, the heart of the movie, um, especially Viola Davis. Uh, Viola Davis is outstanding. One of her best performances. She's phenomenal. The way she talks with Matt Damon's character, uh, Sonny Vaccaro, essentially goes over to the Jordans to try and get his parents to get Michael to do this meeting. And it's just so intensely well-made, great soundtrack, great cinematography, great performances. Again, Matt Damon is so famous, but I forget it's him every time. He's so damn good. Like, he's such a great actor. He really is a great actor, and he plays this character amazingly. Chris Tucker, 
fantastic. I wish Marlon Wayans had more screen time because mm-hmm. I think he's, he's just in that one, one scene, scene, right, Jake? Yeah. Um, and but I thought everybody was cast perfectly. Bateman is great in this um, again. And Affleck's great in it. Affleck mm-hmm. is a great director. Um, I really think, you know, going back to Gone Baby Gone, which I still think is the best movie he's made in his career. And then I would probably argue. Argo and then this and the town. I mean, they're all I mean, they're all really yeah. great. I mean, live by night. Except and live love. by night. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I got to give him credit. He is a great storyteller. And this is a really well paced and edited and just great storytelling in general. It's just really good filmmaking. And it's just it, 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 you're locked into it. The best compliment I can give this movie is even though you know the ending. Mm hmm. You're still wondering what's going to happen. You're in that meeting and you're on the edge of your seat because that's the key to suspension of disbelief. Once you once you are connected to a story, even though you know the ending, a good filmmaker will keep you on the edge of your seat regardless, because it's also just a fascinating story in general. I knew nothing about the Adidas converse. I mean, I knew those shoes and what they were and what players were, were using them, but this was just fantastic. And shout out to Bob Richardson who shot the film. Sure. I, I, I knew that was a big deal for, for Affleck to get him. So I, I loved air. It's, it's, it's a crowd pleaser. It's a really, really fun film to see in theaters. It is R rated. I will point that out because it is actually, a, it, it feels like a movie you haven't seen in a long time, like a classic, great storytelling, right. just really good film. Jake, uh, your thoughts on air. Yeah, I mean, I just repeating everything Kevin said, but it's just and this is sounds like such a dismissive compliment and it's not supposed to be, but it's such an easily watchable movie. Like it's just yeah, it feels just two like hours just yeah. flies by. And it's just, I mean, like you said, every everyone plays their part perfectly. It's it's an enjoyable story. I found myself I just really had a great time watching it. I really I did not realize that a movie about competing shoe companies could be yeah. so entertaining. And and he makes it like Kevin said, in such a way that like, you're like, well, but you know, but also like there were just so many different small details about the story and that place in time. Because I think when so many of us were growing up, Nike was already just so dominant. So like, it's so fascinating to, you know, be taught about a world that older audiences will remember, but maybe we don't where like Nike was strong. I mean, at that time they were a runner's shoe. They were dominating in, in the, you know, with runners, but they were so dismissed when it comes to basketball, which now seems crazy to think. Right. And it's, and it's just, you know, the, the stories of people seeing genius when, uh, when everyone didn't, you know, it really kind of, I don't want to be overly dramatic, but it kind of makes you look at your life differently where you just want to go like, you know what, maybe I do want to on a double down on this belief that I have where everyone else is doubting me, you know, maybe did, I do want to, to do this. Did you know about the different, I didn't know the story about the Nike paying fines for the color no, of the shoe. Yeah, that's, that's, there's a whole concept of that. The shoes had to have a percentage of white 51. on them. Yeah. It'd be 51% white. And you know, one of the ways that Nike, I don't want to ruin too much, but there's a whole, yeah, there's yeah, so many, like, little, so many little details like that where I go, Oh, that's interesting. Like that's it. I, here's what I'll tell you. It, it, whenever I see a movie like this, that intrigues me so much. The first thing I do is, I look up books like I want to read. There's a book by Phil right. Knight that makes me want to like oh, I, now I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it's a great book. So the, the, yeah, the, char- the character that Ben Affleck plays wrote a book about about not just the Jordan era. My understanding is it's the entirety of Nike's story. But honestly, it makes me want to read it. That's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. I learned a lot and I was so 
And Jake makes a great point. It's digestible. Yeah, it's and just it, a movie like, that works. And doesn't it, it's the kind of movie that like it doesn't matter who you recommend it to. They're going to like it. Like, yeah. I feel like I can tell yeah. my parents to go watch. I can tell uh-huh. my boss to go watch. I can tell you guys to go. Watch. Everyone's going to love yeah. it. Yeah, everyone's going to love this movie. Like you're you're 100 right. There's nobody that I would send this movie. Like my brother is very picky about his movies. If I told him to watch this, he would be floored. Yeah, it's it, you're it's it is just one of those. And I, I was just looking earlier. I, I want to say it has like. Both the audience and the critical ratings are in high 90s, like over 95 yeah. percent. Both. I think they're yeah. more than 98 percent or yeah. something like that. It, th- this could be we're talking about word of mouth movies. This could be a 96 a and 98. This could be a massive word of mouth. And I think it's very smart on Amazon's part not to put it on Prime. They haven't even announced as far as I've seen. Correct me no, if I'm wrong. They have not announced no a Prime yet, last date. I saw. Um, so I props to Amazon for believing in this movie, recognizing what they have and saying, look, we'll put it out when we put it out. But for now, if you want to see it, you got to pony up because I it's, I also think it's worth it. I hope they keep doing that. I hope Apple does that. Sure. I'd love if I, well, Netflix Apple does it, right? that. Yeah. And yeah, Napoleon Ridley yeah. Scott's. Yeah, yeah, yeah so exactly. We'll, we'll, they didn't do we'll, it for we'll, Tetris, though, right? Tetris didn't have any. They didn't. Yeah. But shameless plug, um, we when we had Sir Ridley Scott on our show, if you go back and listen to it, it's a great interview. He was, <laughs> really he, was great interview. He, he loved Jake's questions particularly. Um, but, <laughs> I forgot about that. I was just messing. But but uh, they were actually great questions that I wanted to know the answers <laughs> they to. They were good questions. He just like, didn't come on, engage. man, answer this. He just didn't really um, engage I, with them the way we I'm wanted to. I'm almost certain he was making or working on Napoleon while we were talking, I think to he him. mentioned I that think he, I, he was talking yeah. about one of his answers. He was talking about he's like, oh, I'm always he's like, I make these so fast because I'm I'm on this on the I'm sending people to do this. And, he, and they shot that already, his, right? I think they I think so. Rap, yeah, because, because he's about to start pre-production on Gladiator too. He yeah, and Gladiators. Gladiators. I want to say today or yesterday, um, they wrapped Joker too. Oh, um, did they rap? Which was Todd, Todd Phillips. I wish there, there are so many aspects of that movie that I've already seen through leaked set photos that I wish Joker. I, I didn't know. Yeah. Like there's I wish, one thing in particular. The God thing on the stairs. Yeah. yeah, yeah I wish I hadn't me. seen that. That bothered well, me too. That bothered me. I was like, wait a second. Cause now I, yeah. Anyway. So what we're referring to is people have been putting out photos yeah. online uh, and these have been everywhere, but there's like a photo of Gaga on a stair on the staircase, which looks the same. It's the, staircase. It's the exact same staircase. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, uh, I don't want to know that. I really don't want to know that information, but it's well, out let's there. um, we're going to round out this segment of the show with Jake's review of the movie of the week, which is uh, the super Mario brothers movie. And I feel like we're going to go three for three. Yeah. I got to be honest with you, man. 90 minute runtime from the opening scene all the way to the end. I just had such a massive smile on my face. You know, oftentimes I, you know, when with three grown men have to review an animated film, <laughs> I feel like there are so many different prisms you need to look through it. You need to look at as like, okay, who is this movie made for? Which is children. And are they going I to I would enjoy argue it's it? made for everybody. But sure, I, yeah. but I think I, I I do think that like first and foremost that they have to, to make sure the, yeah, the, the priority hitting that yeah, kid the, demo, the priority yeah. is to make sure that that kids are happy and then okay 100%. how else can we can we you know uh, appease older audiences who grew up with these characters and grew up with the original consoles that I there were so many jokes in there and references and little things that like 
I, I felt so I felt so much of it was made for me and people my age. I grew up with my sister's you know gray original console. There's a, a moment in the film where Mario walks by an antique shop and you can hear someone inside say, "You just got to blow on it," and then you put it back in. <laughs> like little things like that, you know. The, Which, the, by the, the way, doesn't work. It, does, it actually <laughs> makes it worse because of the I, I, yeah because of the moisture yeah. I used no, to do it yeah. all the time. Yeah, everyone did. Everyone did. Yeah. Um, they say it didn't work, and yet it did. So I don't know. I, you know. You're right, though, because yeah. the game wouldn't work. The game, and yeah, then and you, then you do it, it, and the game works. Well, <laughs> well, <laughs> was, tell me, what was working? What was working is you were turning it off and turning it back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. that's true. Too. That's true. <laughs> um, but there are so many like little, you know, just just you know, I, and, and, and here's funny: the, 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 the major complaint that I've seen is that oh there's no story to it but to which i want to say well one i think there is like luigi is kidnapped and uh mario and princess peach and donkey kong and the rest of the gang have to go rescue him which is a, a sort of a, a fractured version of the original game's plot which is that princess peach is captured by bowser and you have right. to go rescue her i'm not really sure what people were expecting or hoping for that wasn't there i think yeah. the animation is beautiful it is a gorgeously rendered film there's such a texture to it i feel like this is this is the most that this world that i grew up loving has ever been brought to life um it is and there's there so many like i feel like it hits the beats of the original game and there are beats of like Luigi's Haunted Mansion and of course, obviously there are beats of, of Mario Kart and there are even beats where like I grew up with a lot of the early games and then after a certain point obviously kind of stopped playing them I'm sure there are other things that have nothing to do there's the it, it kind of uh, you know name checks a lot of the things in some of the games that maybe made no sense. There's a point where he has to wear like that bear costume, which I believe is from Super Mario three on the original Nintendo console. And there's even a point where it's like, why are you wearing the the, the bear suit? Like that makes, you know, um, so I, I loved this film. I thought the vocal performances were phenomenal. I, I know a lot of people were uh, a little nervous about Chris Pratt, but I thought his his Mario was perfect. Um, I love Charlie Day's Luigi. I think MVP's got to go to Jack Black, who I think is vocally unrecognizable as Bowser. So I genuinely loved this film. It, it, it tapped into my nostalgia. It entertained me for 90 minutes. I thought it was funny. I thought it was smart. I thought it was drenched in references for people who loved these games as, as an adult. And then there are so many things that our kids are going to enjoy. If I'm a parent who brings their kid to see this movie i am ecstatically happy walking out because i know the kids are going to enjoy it but i'd imagine that the parents will as well so i love this movie to pieces um it's probably the most i've loved an animated movie in a long time um yes it you know i have been uh, shamefully uh admitted that that nostalgia works on me i mm -hmm. i you know i am addicted to the drug that, that is nostalgia well i mean it's it's slated to make almost 200 million dollars it's what happens yeah so i you know what i i count me in as a glowing fan of this movie i thought it was fantastic i honestly i would i would watch it again in a heartbeat i'm excited to see it i have not seen this one yet but the what you said that hits me most and i'm curious if our audience um agrees with you or if they they agree with me and that that this helps their excitement is that the cast is not distracting that was my biggest sure. concern yeah I, like you were saying i think a lot of people's concern was yeah. like am i just gonna hear and that's yeah. kind of a, that's a larger discussion yeah. about like instead of Dude, hiring Keegan voice Michael actors Key as Toad, like I had no idea, like I still can't wrap my brain around how Toad's voice comes out of Keegan Michael Key. Like that that doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Um, it it's, it's genuinely act. It's not actors showing up. Okay. Here's here's the one thing I'll tell you. Okay. 
Uh, and I, it actually works. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. Uh, Donkey Kong, you. yeah, Seth Donkey Rogan. Kong sounds like Seth Rogen. Sure, yeah. yeah. Like, but I, but like in a weird way, like it kind of makes sense. Like it, like I, it, right. I, I ended up being okay with it. That's the only character that sounds like the celebrity who voices them. Yeah, that's a, that, like I said, that's a different that's a different conversation about animated movies in general. It's been a long, sure, long discussed thing about like. Hollywood's not hiring voice actors to do really sure. cool, interesting original voices. They're hiring famous people to sound like famous people on their animated characters, which I don't always love. Um, but if it works, it works. So, folks, you have yeah. a long list of movies to see this weekend. It yeah. sounds like not enough. You went and saw Dungeons and Dragons, so you got to see that. Yeah. Uh, Paint is good enough and it's worth your time. Air yeah. sounds like it's phenomenal. And now you have to see Super Mario God, Brothers. What a, what a hell, good run. Go see John Wick again. I mean, yeah, just, why not? just go to the movies. Stay at the movies. Live at the movies this weekend. I saw John Wick again. It was... Did you? It's it's so awesome. I'm, I'm hoping so I can go with awesome. like a friend. It's hard for me to it's, go to a movie again, you know, without so introducing awesome. it to someone. So I'm hoping I can go with, with somebody who hasn't seen it yet. But uh, we're going to take another break. And on the other side, Sean sent in his segment or our blend game this week. Uh, so he'll kind of be on the show this week and, uh, and then we'll wrap things up. So we'll be right back. And we're back uh, and we're kicking off the blend game. This week is hashtag video game movie blend. I tasked the lovely folks uh, who listen to the show as well as these gentlemen uh, with coming to the table with your favorite video game movie adaptation is a mouthful, but a fun one. Uh, Jake, why don't you, or actually Kevin, Jake, you've been talking, you've been, you've been talking yeah, for a hot Jake, minute. Jake, here. shut the hell up. <laughs> I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you rest for a second, drink some water. Kevin, what is your pick for video game movie blend? Yeah, I mean, like famously, the whole bit is that video game, no pun intended with a bit, but hey, video ah, game movies, well uh, uh, video game movies are generally looked down upon um but until I recently believe, until very recently until recently yeah and obviously with last of us with which is not a movie but you know that's a, a, an excellent example of a great adaptation but it's also material that warrants cinematic it's the nature best, it's because the best of, story ever told in video games yeah. yeah and so one of the things you know i was thinking about this recently because there's one that i go to when i think about video game movies that i thought was the one of the first times i saw a video game film that actually caught my attention in a positive way and in a great way, which was, which was Tomb Raider with Alicia Vikander. Oh, um, interesting. And I Good underrated, man. Yeah. It's so underrated. That movie is so action. much, and I don't mean to put down another movie, but that movie is so much better than Uncharted. Oh and yeah. Like that movie uh, understands. I liked Uncharted, it, but I, I enjoyed Uncharted and yeah. I, and I, and that's fine, but it, it felt like it didn't do what that Tomb Raider does not to step on yeah. your pick. Um, which is make a really great adventure movie first. Yeah. And that felt yeah. like a great globetrotting adventure movie. The biggest thing for me with Tomb Raider, which is pretty simple, what I'm going to say is that I just thought it was cool that they showed the character getting hurt. Yeah. And what I mean by that is like, you would see this character in an action scene and Alicia Vikander talked about this in, in the interviews where like, you would actually see this character taking like the action, like, like, and actually physically being affected by the action. It didn't feel like it was a superhero. It felt like it was a, you know, a person dealing with these circumstances actually, you know, like I always point to the, the, my, my favorite scenes in Bob Odenkirk's nobody. And I bring that up because when you watch films that deal with a character who's, you know, taking out a bunch of bad guys, there's something vulnerable about the idea of seeing that character get hurt in a way that actually makes it believable that they can overcome the circumstances. So like when you watch the scene in nobody on the bus, 
when he's fighting those bad guys and he sits in that seat and just kind of topples down. It, it, it adds a certain levity and groundedness to the moment that makes it so much more believable and impactful. Um, you know, you could argue that with even with John Wick, while he takes out multiple people, he does that there are moments of him like getting hurt, falling, uh, getting hit by things. And again, that's a little more superhero esque that I would, I would argue sometimes than than more grounded. But going back to Tomb Raider, with Alicia Vikander, I just I was just blown away by it. I, I didn't expect it. I was like, OK, another video game movie. I played this game growing up. We've seen Angelina Jolie play the character before. Um, I don't know. There's something. Well, also, you know, both Angelina and Alicia Vikander are phenomenal actors. But Alicia Vikander brought a grounded nature to that character that was cinematic. It took it, it took it beyond the game and it gave it a, a certain level of groundedness where I was believing it. And like just the sounds of the, the action, the way that the character would move. And, and I remember talking to her specifically about the way she would fall or the way she would get hit and how that was supposed to be realistic. You were supposed to feel like relentless, like you're supposed to feel like you were almost exhausted um, because it was you were, you were on the journey with the character and the action set pieces were great. Um, I think it's a really underrated movie. I really do. I remember really digging it and going, wow, this is shockingly good um, because the video games didn't have movies, didn't have a, a, a bar to be set, really. It was just like things over the years weren't great. I think the closest thing that came to that for me was the first Sonic. Very different reasoning for that. But I thought Sonic did a really good job of kind of especially because Jim Carrey brought a great uh, perspective to that character, but especially with Ben Schwartz playing Sonic. But overall, I got to go with Tomb Raider. I, if you haven't seen it, it, came out in 2018, kind of fell under the radar. I wasn't critically acclaimed really that well. Um, Are we, but it did was they officially? Good. Um, I know they were working on a, on a sequel for a while. Is that I still hope happening? so? I feel like I mean, I've been hearing back and forth. Yeah, but it did. But it did it do well. I was gonna. I'll look this up while you guys move on. But I, I, I just remember. Well, we, we can talk about it right now before. Move I on. just remember not. Let me look at the I box have, office uh, for it. I mean, actually, I seem to pretty, remember it being underwhelming. Dude, I feel like immediately they it, were discussing a, a sequel, but, but dude, I don't know if that's made, just. If you had to guess how much it made before, without me telling you, what would you think? Domestically worldwide? or worldwide? Worldwide. 250 I was gonna say 250 274 which is not bad now the budget on the website says on box office mojo says 94 which is not bad P, for a big you count, movie. P, you count PNA you probably had to clear let's say 160 yeah just to throw it out there it sounds like it made profit but it's, it's from Warner Brothers so I wouldn't be surprised you know if Warner Brothers in 2018 they've changed a lot of uh, yeah hands so but yeah. that that movie is awesome and i'm glad it exists and i think vikander is phenomenal in it and it's really just kind of an underrated action gem um so for look. me that's my pick before we get to your pick jake i'm gonna look and see do they have yeah i don't see it on alicia vikander's like upcoming on imdb at least am i saying so. her name right uh, isn't it alicia am i or saying that alicia I, I want to make sure. Hopefully, I'm, I, don't I, know. I said I said it a bunch just now during the or during the during this topic. So for people listening, if, if I got it wrong, I apologize. I'm pretty sure it's Alicia Vikander. We should ask Sean, um, and then whatever he says is the yeah, opposite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's ask Sean. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jake, right. what is your favorite video game movie adaptation? Uh, I'm gonna go with the and then, look. I, I I hate picking like a recent movie, oh, but okay. I I love this movie to pieces. I'm going with the 2021 Mortal Kombat. Oh, nice. I it's great. The, that movie. Yeah. I loved the fight sequences. I thought the artistry behind it. Um, 
you know, I thought the 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 bringing of the characters into the real world um, was phenomenal. I loved the R-rated violence. I mean, like if you're going to accurately you bring can't have in a Mortal, Mortal Kombat, Kombat that's yeah, really with PG-13, yeah. yeah. Now, granted, there is a very solid argument for the fact that like there is no actual Mortal Kombat tournament in the first Mortal Kombat movie, which is true. Oh yeah, but it, it, you know it, they did just greenlight a um, a sequel, which I'm enthusiastically excited for. Right. But like, so this feels like a almost like a great like prequel setup to the tournament. But like, my God, that that Sub Zero Scorpion fight Amazing. at the at the yeah. end, like everything, it just it was I like a, the opening. Yeah, the, the opening, opening, scene, the opening, opening was fantastic. Awesome. Like. All of like, you know, we, I feel like we got so many fights, you know, it was very much a like, again, I keep using this expression, particularly in regards to tomorrow, but also like it's a love letter. If you grew up in Mortal Kombat, there are so many things that are like in there for you. But it's also a like, look, we got to try to fit this into the real world somehow without this being av- overly ridiculous. So I felt like it really r- walked a, a very fine tightrope of, look, we want to make a Mortal Kombat movie. And there are a lot of ridiculous aspects of that game that we have to justify bringing into this very real world, but also a like, OK, well, how do we make it so that like it somewhat could exist in this world that we live in today? And I thought that they did a really good job of doing that. I thought the casting was phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of there's, you know, if you're a fan of the Mortal Kombat games, you know that there is a lot of different directions that they can go in. Uh, they got to bring in Johnny Cage. And, uh, you know, I, there are a lot of different cool, cool things with that, which, you know, that, that they sort of teased bringing him in. Um, so the casting of that's going to be crucial. But, uh, man, I, I love that movie. I remember, um, correct me if I'm wrong. It came out during very much during the pandemic, but like on that was yeah. one of the, that was HBO one of the first Max. big HBO max theater movies at the same time. Yeah. Did they, they, did they do that? Theatrically? They did, that, was, yeah. that was part of the whole day and date thing. And it oh. opened well. I remember it opening well, but I remember, I remember for the junket, them insisting that I go screen it in a theater and just hmm. loving it. And just, I remember that opening weekend when it opened on HBO. We, Mag- uh, remember, we had the director on, right? I believe we had the director on. Did we have the director on? I like we did. Um, so, uh, look, yeah. look, there's a little, little card in the top corner. If we did, I feel like we yeah. did pretty sure we did. Yeah. We did a lot of interviews. Yes, yeah. um, yes he was great. Time. I'm remembering now. Yeah. I sometimes get confused if I edited our interview or one that yeah. Cinema Blend did themselves, and I'm like, yeah. I feel like that was for yeah. our show. Uh, so that's yeah, a great I movie. I do like that. Movie. Love that movie. That is really good. I, I almost, quick, I'd like to quick. Uh, the, the the one that was going to be my answer before I remembered uh, Mortal Kombat was the Silent Hill big screen adaptation. Nice. Does a really great job of if you played that game on PlayStation One, particularly the first one. There's such a mood that that movie captures. So I, this I saw is, some I love for that on social. Yeah. Some people giving love for that. I'll quickly go before we throw to Sean's pick. I typically go for the nostalgia pick with my mm-hmm. my favorites of the ones that I was obsessed with. Sure. Um, not a beloved movie apart. Very firmly planted Street in Fighter? the video game movies are bad category for a lot of people. Um, but a special movie to me is the Resident Evil. Oh, uh, I do love that. Dude, the, the, the scene with it. the lasers. You so, know he, so he stole that from the cube, but I love that he stole that yeah. from the cube. It's a great That's scene. A, I love the first Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. It is oh my so gosh. good. I think the I think the horror in it is great. Like I think the it stands on its own. So the cube good. scene is fantastic. If you haven't seen the movie The Cube, you should. That that is. I mean, I'm not. Uh, no accusations here. I think it's a great thing to steal. Good filmmakers steal. Good artists. But that steal. is the memory of that movie that I think yeah. about the first time I think about that that's film. That's a scene in, in that the horror scene. movie. The great cube score. Is when someone gets, 
split like that. Yeah. Resident Evil score, has a killer I think the cast score. is great. I think that Michelle Rodriguez is awesome in it. Yeah. Um, I love the way that it's structured with them being Movie's underground fun. and like, yeah. it, it, great movie. I think it's really great. I also love Resident Evil Apocalypse, which is the sequel. I, that one, they were like, really, second one was good. They I like the second action. one too. That one, that yeah. one is, you know, they're not stuck underground. It's a little, it's not, it's yeah. less horror, more action. You know, it's it's sort of an aliens vibe. They um, fell off later on, but I did. Yeah, the first one's fun. See, I feel like yeah, I'll I'll give them I think they botched Nemesis. Yeah, I, I'll yeah. Give I mean, Nemesis is such a great Resident Evil character, and yeah. I, I yeah. But I yeah. like that fight, and I like I like I said I like the action in that um, in that movie. I think what I will give it credit. You're saying they kind of fell off after that. I don't totally disagree, but what I'll say is they're unapologetically themselves. All those movies, mm, sure, like. It, definitely created this original um visual style and tone and like the underworld movies to me just kind of like they were first two mm-hmm. were awesome i would i, thought, I would and then i would give the similar to the like I, it's it's you either love it or you don't in a similar way that you love the shtick of the fast movies i think that yeah. the resident evil in a very different way but in its sure. own way creates a shtick that is uniquely its own sure um so and also i think paul ws anderson is did he do all of them um no the second one he he wrote but someone else directed i think he's done most of them after that paul thomas anderson read to the second one actually yeah, yeah it's very true that's yeah, why yeah. <laughs> well pta you botched nemesis yeah PTA. But, I, but i think i think he's underrated as a director because he's made some of my favorite films he made soldier he made event horizon made the original Mortal combat event horizon is one of the scariest films i've ever seen in my life did you guys ever watch uh death race Oh yeah, with um, fantastic with, with, with Jason Statham. Statham? Yes. Statham. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah, that yeah. movie, dude. Uh, Event I Horizon. I still have nightmares from Event Horizon. I saw that in theaters. Ninety seven. Sam Neill in that movie, man. Sam yeah. Neill when he's in that like when he's in that crawl space and his dead wife keeps like popping up. But there's a shot in that movie where there's a guy on a ceiling who's been killed and his body's like opened with those like hooks hanging his skin up. Uh, Fishburne's great in that too. That's a yeah. great movie event horizon Man. Dude, we used to get a lot of a lot more space horror R rated but R like, like sunshine yeah. man sunshine oh, sunshine awesome danny boyle it's kind of that's funny also, that's how that's how it works yeah. i mean you had the you had the sort of 80s with the alien phenomenon yeah, that the it was thing. and then it just turns yeah. into a bunch of yeah um alien movies man. which is fun but uh, you know it's what it sunshine, is. Sunshine, when they use that Adagio and D minor track, whatever that sunshine that piece is, of one music. of my favorite movies. One of my favorite. That movies. movie is incredible. Isn't Chris Evans in that? Chris Evans is in that. Yeah, yeah. he's Gosh. great in it. Um, and so is uh, oh, what's his name? Great character actor. I think he plays The Rock's brother Kill- in like Hobbs and Shaw. Is that him? Oh, is that the same guy? Yeah, the, Kill- from uh, from Training Day. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Killian, Killian Murphy. Murphy's in that too. Yeah. yeah. Killian Murphy is great in it. Rose Byrne is great in it. Um, Hiroyuki Sonata is in it. We were just Michelle Yeoh yeah. is in it. Oh, such wow. a great cast. Benedict Wong. Michelle Yeoh. I could have swore. I feel like Cliff Curtis. Yes, Cliff Curtis is in it. He's great. Yeah, dude. He's he's an, he's an incredible an underrated actor. actor. Yeah. yeah. Dude, the, um, the scene with him and Ethan Hawke in the in the bathroom and training bathroom. is phenomenal. Oh. Let's throw really quickly to Sean's pick. I don't know what he picked, uh, so I'll let the kids Please at home. Please be the original Super Mario Brothers movie. Have fun. <laughs> Come on, Bob Hoskins. Hey, guys, it's Sean, and I'm playing this week's uh, blend game, which is hashtag video game blend. And Gabe kept the uh, parameters around it very loose. And so I'm not going with a traditional 
adaptation of an existing video game. I'm going with a game with a movie uh, that relies very heavily on the presence of a video game uh, as its catalyst. And that is Matthew Broderick's film War Games from when I was growing up in the 1980s. This is back when people were trying to figure out how to make video games compelling and cool. And uh, you forget that there were games that didn't have significant graphics and didn't have, you know, deep plots and mythology that you could follow through. Sometimes it was just a a series of questions that were asked by the computer that the person had to answer properly. Uh, I love the fact that Broderick plays this version of the teenage hacker, uh, who was a really popular character throughout the the 1980s and sometimes into the early 1990s, um, where somebody would get into some level of, of a computer that they weren't supposed to be uh, into and gained act- access to some secrets that they obviously were not supposed to be privy to. And with war games, we get to the point where um, he has hacked into some sort of missile defense system that, you know, if it's allowed to play out, is going to launch uh, the, the a version of World War Three. And it, it's extremely believable. It takes you from his suburban uh bedroom all the way through to the remote hideout of the the original computer programmer and all the way through to uh, I want to say it's like the Department of Defense. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Um, But Matthew Broderick has to make the video game essentially play against itself uh, so that it can get to the point where there's a stalemate and 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 there's no winner, essentially, and it'll shut down the program. Uh, I think Ready Player One has a lot uh, to thank war games for war games sort of laid down uh, some groundwork for ready player one to like it, it it walked so that spielberg can run essentially right um and it's just a fun little throwback i showed it to the boys recently it still holds up really well they got a kick out of the outdated uh, technology and machinery that exists inside of it but at the time i'm telling you it was exciting as all hell get out so when i think about video game movies and i think about movies that are driven by some form of video game adaptation because most adaptations are so bad. It's just so bad. I looked over the list to try to find one that I really loved. And I i mean, the closest I came was maybe Uncharted, which I liked a lot, but it wasn't great. So I, I went outside the realm and picked a, a, a movie that had a video game at its heart. And that's War Game. So I'm excited to find out what the guys have chosen. I will be reporting uh, from Star Wars Celebration on my social media. So make sure you follow me there and I'll see you guys next week. Thank you, Sean. Uh, again, Sean is in London right now. Don't say thank you. We don't know what his pick us. is. It could be terrible. Oh, it could be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. If not, it's just there's a moment of silence yeah. and yeah. we're back. Moment of silence and we're back. Uh, our audience picks this week. We have a few. Ariel Pace says Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, the one with Alicia or Alicia Vikander, because I also don't know how to say her name, but I'm going to double check uh, this right now. Miss Vikander, the wonderful Vikander. Um, Michael Nip says the original Mortal Kombat. Friend of the show, Ash Crossan writes in with the new Mortal Kombat on Jake's side. Um, And Ruby says Hitman. Which I believe is Ooh, the yeah Timothy with, Oliphant. Uh, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, loved that was a that was a great yeah, one too. I remember loving that. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Uh, Kev, did you find it? Oh, he's looking at it for next week. While he's looking for that, write in with hashtag horror comedy blend and let us oh, know your favorite horror comedy movie. Interesting. Here is Alicia saying it. Okay. Here we go. I mean, I believe you. you if there's I'm- a d- no, no, but I, I, I think both of us are kind of I'm wrong. Can- it's like, listen. Is it because she's? Here goes. Here goes. 
I'm Alicia Vikander. And- it's Alicia. Alicia. So I was saying Alice- Alicia. I'm Alicia Vikander. And- okay, so I'm, it's I'm like Charlie Theron, Charlie Theron. So it's technically it Alicia Vikander. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great actress. Either way. Yeah. Whether you can say Oscar her name or winning not. actress. Oscar winning actress. I kind of forget about that. How did you say it, Jake? How, have, how, are you, how did you ever think He just gives the name? initial. He says A. Vikander. And a. Everything Vikander. that he does yeah. when he's Alicia. on TV. Everything. I think, I, I think mine was Alicia. It's actually Alicia. So let's just to clarify that. Just Fantastic. to give her proper credit. Uh, so again, next week, write in hashtag horror comedy blend. You can send us that on Twitter or you can email us realblend at cinemablend.com to let us know your favorite film in the horror comedy genre and i'll let you i'll let you uh if you write in and you feel like you're bending the rules on what a horror comedy is just just write up a little explanation you know i'll let you defend it um have fun with it our next premium episode uh drops on monday that's just going to be kevin and myself uh which should be fun kevin i don't know what we're going to do yet but it's going to be fun we're probably going to talk about oppenheimer you know who knows i am a down i think we actually already did that episode i think you and i already did an episode where we just talked about oppenheimer but Um, let's um, do it again until next week, you can find us on socials at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV. I guess I have to say this, at Sean underscore O'Connell, even though he's not here technically. At Gabe Kovach, and the show is at Real Blend. But until next time... The Movie Oppenheimer. Critic. Barbie. Oppenheimer. Beat, beach off. <laughs>